Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with the Softway team about practicing vulnerability and authenticity to overcome a toxic culture. Hello, Softway team. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, how's it going? Hello. Hello. For those joining us only on audio, you won't be able to see that we have a full screen today. I don't think I've ever had so many people on an interview all at once uh, for the podcast. There's five of us. We're going to be having a fantastic conversation. And uh, I'll give everyone an opportunity to introduce themselves here in just a moment. Today, we're going to be focusing on practicing vulnerability and authenticity to overcome a toxic culture. Uh, And there's various components to that. We'll dive into that and try to dissect it and and really pull it apart so we can better understand it. And all of you come from a place of personal experience with toxicity, which I think is is a really fun part of the conversation that we're going to have. You've had the experience, you've learned how to overcome it, and now you're sharing with organizations how they can do the same. And I think that's Fantastic. Because the reality is most organizations deal with some level of toxic leadership, toxic culture. And I I guess it's just part of the human condition. When you get people together, uh, people are complex, messy, they have their own baggage. And you start to get people together and and inevitably uh, problems emerge uh, unless we're super strategic and thoughtful proactively about how to make sure we establish the type of culture that we actually want to have. So that'll be the conversation that we have today. As we get started, I'll just share a brief opening blurb with everyone to lay out the context, and then we can just go around the horn and give everyone a chance to share just a little bit about themselves personally. Softway is a business to enterprise solution company that offers experiences, services, and technology products to help build resilient, inclusive, and high-performing companies. In 2015, when a toxic culture almost bankrupted the company, Softway's leadership team, including authors Muhammad, Anwar CEO, Chris Petre, VP, Frank Dana, and Jeff Ma, both directors, vowed to bring humanity back to the workplace through trial and error and determination. They rebuilt their organization around the greatest asset, people. And today, through the Seneca Leaders Program and other employee-focused offerings, Softway is helping thousands of leaders spanning over 46 countries to transform their businesses to put love to work. I love all of that. What a fantastic journey that you've been on. Uh, And let's just start with Frank, then Jeff, 
then Mohammed, then Chris, because that's how you are on my screen. Just give us a little bit of a personal introduction and background to yourselves. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Frank Dana. I have been a part of Softway for uh, quite a while now, um, going on you know, seven years. And really, really excited that I got a chance to write the book Love is a Business Strategy with these other gentlemen. Uh, it was a blast. And like you talked about before, it's something that we're very passionate about bringing humanity back to the workplace. Something interesting about me, um, I'm an avid art collector. And if you're watching the video, you can see some of the art that I collect behind me. If you're not, imagine lots of art behind me. <laughs> Excellent. Welcome, Jeff. My name is Jeff Ma. Um, I'm also been in Softway for almost a decade. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds kind of cheesy, but um, I define myself a lot by the work that we do here. I think um, it's a huge passion of mine and, and, and the other gentlemen here as well. But specifically, you know, it, it drives a lot of what I, what I believe in my personal life and, and the work that, that I'm just kind of purpose driven to do. So personally, I have two kids, a lovely wife, um, great, great family life. But like, I, again, I think a lot of what people know about me is through our book, Love is a Business Strategy and like what the work we do here. So I'm really excited to be here today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Mohammed. Yes, I'm Mohammed, the president and CEO of Softway. And uh, this has been my only job and only place I've worked my entire career. So a lot of learnings uh, being the CEO of this company and uh, you know, a lot of our uh, own journey of ups and downs helped us curate and uh, arrive at Love as a Business Strategy. So happy to share more about it. Thank you for having us. Excellent. Thank you, Mohammed and Chris. Hi, I'm Chris Petrie, uh, Vice President. I've been with the organization for uh, oh, what, seven years, <laughs> uh, since 2015. Um, and, you know, co-author, enjoyed the time writing this book um, and writing, but also in working with so many different customers, realizing how lucky I've been to have pockets of good leaders, even in a sea of toxic, you know, workplaces and cultures. Um, and so just really excited to share what my experience has been, what I've gleaned from the other three gentlemen, as well as learning more from you, Jonathan, during this conversation. So just excited to be here. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you all again for joining me. And I, I can't remember if I said it at the beginning of the episode, but you're all joining me from Houston. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And uh, both both hot tech corridors. Um, and, and so lots of cool stuff is happening in, in both of our locations. Uh, you're doing some great work. So I'm, I'm excited to unpack this and talk more about Softway and Seneca and all the cool things that you are doing. All right, so let's lay the groundwork now for 2015. Uh, tell us about the toxic culture that nearly bankrupted you. Uh, and again, as many of you said in your kind of your own little personal introductions, toxic, toxicity is very common. Um, it, it, it's, it, it manifests in most organizations in some way or another. And fortunately, I think most of us can say, yes, we've had experiences with toxic bosses or coworkers or a toxic culture. Most of us can also say we've had the opposite where we've, we've had some really great examples that we can look to. Um, the challenge is when you're in the midst of it, when, when you're in the throes of, of business and day-to-day, -day, the grind, and there's toxicity happening all around you, the, the challenge is how do you focus in on the good and, and recognize the bad and then start to reshape things. So uh, why don't you lay the groundwork for what was happening in 2015 and then we can go from there. Uh, I'll go ahead and take a jab at it. Uh, but I think the perspective that I'd like to bring to the 
podcast today is that I had the realization that I was the one causing the toxic culture inside of the company. As a CEO of our company, it was my selfish behaviors, my selfish attitude, and uh, my desire to be greedy uh, that made me behave in ways with our team that was a a catalyst to creating a toxic environment. And so in 2015, when we had to go through our darkest day and lay off over 100 employees from our 300 employee organization, that's when it dawned on me that we were in this situation, not because of market conditions, not because of our customers, not because of our employees, but because of my leadership and my behaviors. And I was responsible for the situation because I had created a toxic workplace environment and I had set the tone for it. And so other leaders in the organization behaved like how I behaved and, you know, stimulated that culture throughout the organization. And uh, we were just fortunate, personally me, I was fortunate to recognize uh, in, the, in, in an introspective moment that this was my fault and that I needed to change my behaviors. I needed to find a way to love my team, create a, a culture of love where I do things out of care for others and I can align profits with the people because people at the end of the day are the ones uh, that are the biggest asset of the company and we wouldn't be a company without them. Uh, So I had to go through all of these realizations, but then also go on a journey of trying to transform my behaviors. And along that journey, I had Frank, Chris, Jeff, who were beside me, who were willing to be the voice that I needed to hear, willing to be courageous to tell me what I had to hear, which was about how I was treating others and how I was being perceived by others and how I was coming across because I just lacked self-awareness. And so as a result of that, we were able to go on this journey, not only help save our company, but then we began to thrive so much so that a technology firm was asked by our largest customer here in Texas, uh, a Fortune 2 company to help change their culture and help change their leadership behaviors because of what they had seen us uh, go through our transformation. And that's how we began um, doing Seneca leaders for our customer and We found a new purpose and new calling by traveling the world, uh, going to 10 different countries, training people from 46 different uh, nationalities, coming together and um, transforming their uh, thoughts about what it means to be a leader. And that's when we found our new purpose and new calling, which was to bring back humanity to the workplace. And as a result of that, we wrote the book called Love as a Business Strategy. And since then, have uh, spun off a company called Culture Plus, where we offer culture as a service in addition to all of Softway's main service lines. So that's kind of the genesis of the whole uh, experience from 2015. Yeah, and thank you for being vulnerable and being able to talk so openly about that. Frankly, that's not something most executives would ever admit to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's about passing the blame and passing the bucks so that you still look good and you can move on. Even if the company goes bankrupt, you can move on to your next opportunity, right? And so being able to have that self-reflective, introspective moment where you recognize the buck stops with you, you know, you're you're creating an, uh, uh, an environment where toxicity is pervasive. 
Uh, now, clearly, it's not all your fault, but it it starts with you and ends with you. And, and to be able to recognize that is really important to take ownership over that. Um, so I applaud you for that. And Frank, it looks like you wanted to make a comment. Yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, as we're talking about vulnerability and the need for it in the workplace, Muhammad was vulnerable enough to invite us in to his sort of inner circle of progress as he was going through this. Once he recognized that he had to start changing his behavior, he asked us to hold him accountable when he makes mistakes, not if he makes mistakes, but when he makes mistakes and when each of us make mistakes to kind of move the move forward down the path. And one of the, one of the most like powerful moments for me was Muhammad, Chris and I were in San Francisco and we had just visited Facebook's campus, Uber's campus and Twitter's campus all in the same day, kind of whirlwind adventure. And this is after our layoffs that we talk about in the book. This is after kind of the darkest day as a company and Muhammad is actively trying to figure out ways of moving forward. And in a moment of vulnerability, he just, he broke down in the car as we were driving around because he saw these other places and the, the excitement and the fun and this sort of energy, this kinetic energy that was just flowing in these environments. And he wanted so badly to be that leader that could create that place for people to feel like they belonged. And you know, Chris and I really saw him desiring to do that. And so we were immediately aligned with his desire and wanted to do everything and anything we could do to help him move forward. And if it wasn't for that, that, that request from him, the vulnerability that he offered to us in that moment, I don't know if I would have jumped in as wholeheartedly to help him in his endeavor to become a more um, loving and kind and generous boss to everyone. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work.
Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Yeah, his his vulnerability unlocked your trust and willingness, right, to to uh, step into the darkness a little bit yourself, right? Because that's a scary thing, you know. Even if a if a a senior leader comes to you, someone who you report to, they come to you and they say, "I want your input. Hold me accountable." Eh, some people say that, but how many people actually want that, right? <laughs> uh, so, so I think that's that's wonderful. And I, I'm curious if, if you wouldn't mind outlining, uh, and this doesn't have to be just Muhammad, uh, you know, but for any of you, whether it was, you know, some of kind of Muhammad setting the tone or what you saw as it trickled down through other leaders within the organization, what were some of the specific behaviors uh, that were creating this toxic culture and environment? Um, I, I'll take a stab at it. Um, one of the uh, common things was um, sort of calling people out in ways that were intentionally trying to humiliate or make, that, make an example out of them, you know, in public, private, like no matter how big or small the space was or how many people were in the room or in the meeting. Um, and oftentimes it was, it was, it was trying to be educational, but the wrong way to educate if that makes sense. Um, and, you know, while yes, Muhammad and even us on this call were part of that. It trickled down into project meetings where we weren't even present, right? Like, you know, everyone was trying to make sure that they weren't the one that had fingers pointing at them, right? And so the way to get around that is to point fingers at others um, and to highlight other people's failures before it came to your plate, right? So it was always just passing the buck, you know, doing this sort of finger pointing thing where it's not me, don't look at me, I'm not the cause of this. Right. And blame was the first sort of, you know, mode of business when it came to resolving conflict or finding new solutions or pivoting. Right. We have to first figure out who's to blame for this before we actually get into problem solving. And that mindset and that environment was inherited, you know, deep into the organization. Right. Um, so much so that problems became harder to solve because we had to figure out who caused the problem to begin with. Um, and that was just one sort of characteristic or behavior that was commonplace because it's a mindset was an attitude and it was definitely a style of communicating. Yeah, that, that really can quickly uh, devolve even well-meaning individuals into a negative spiral, right? right <laughs> negative <yeah. laughs> downward spiral. And, and if you're spending so much time and energy trying to focus on who's at fault, who's to blame, uh, 
you know, there's only so much energy we have. There's only so much time in the day. There's only so much opportunity. There's only, there's only so much uh, trust in the reservoir of the trust bank or, or, or in the yeah. well of the trust well or whatever, whatever metaphor, right? It runs, it starts to run dry really quickly. And then all of a sudden, no, nobody's trusting in each other anymore at all. Everyone's yeah. just blaming each other for everything. Um, and, and ultimately nothing proactive is happening. And so when you, you talk about how, you know, th there must've been some initial setbacks that probably were largely due to external environmental types of issues, you know, largely out of your control that happens to every organization. Uh, but then as you start to respond to those things, then you start on this, the downward spiral, right? That's, yeah. that's kind of yeah. what I'm hearing. Yes, for sure. And, you know, the thing in that is we hear that and we might think, oh, oh, Muhammad is a yeller, right? Like Muhammad yells, I don't yell personally, right? And that's not a judgment, it's just reality. And so it's easy to say, well, well, it's Muhammad yelling that is the problem. Like, no, it's the mindset that the blame finding was the problem. And in my soft voice, I was still doing the same thing. In my calm, in my, you know, very sophisticated or somewhat elaborate language, I was still doing the same thing, right? So showing that it wasn't, it's, helping everyone see that toxic behavior isn't just the demonstrative, you know, banging on tables type stuff, but it can be subtle. It can feel nice. It can feel polite. It can feel, you know, so many different ways, but it's still toxic and it's still coming from the same mindset and the same attitude. And for us, yeah. that's like the big revelation, right? Like you can be toxic and still be nice. <laughs> yeah. Passive aggressive behavior is some of the most, uh, nefarious toxic forms of toxicity <laughs> that or organizations <laughs> experience because yeah. it's like with my calm smile, you know, my calm voice, I'm smiling at you. I'm using soft language. Um, you know, so on the face of it, it seems positive, but no, yeah. people aren't stupid. Like people know, you know, what's <laughs> exactly. going on behind. And then people know when you are stabbing them behind the back. So you smile to their face and then you stab them in the yeah. back when yeah. they leave the meeting or whatever. So yeah, people aren't dumb. I see yeah. that all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. That's that's great that you were able to acknowledge that. Yeah. Jeff, anything you would like to add? Yeah, sure. I think uh, another, I, th I think this is a great conversation, especially for your audience, I'm sure, because I think I think toxic culture is often mislabeled and misrepresented. I think Chris gave a great example of one way to look at it. I think I'll add another one, which is that um, a lot of times uh, kind of the enemy to a good culture is actually comfort. Like, like and what comfort does is comfort, like it, it conceals the candor that really needs to be there to be a, a high functioning team or a, a strong, have strong relationships to build trust. And so we have this saying where, where we we, we say almost every single day in our actual work uh, days, which is honesty over harmony. And when you, when you work in any group of people, like just average group of people, everyone's kind of seeking this harmony. Like someone says something weird, we all feel a certain way about it, but we all kind of brush it aside because we don't want to disrupt the flow or the meeting. We don't want to make anyone feel awkward or uncomfortable. So we'll just let that comment slide or we'll just bury it deep down. And, and that's just not how humans who trust and or or love i dare say behave right we we call each other out we talk about it we get it out there and it's really uncomfortable it's really hard and i think a lot of people just say oh toxic culture is just the yelling and the and things like that but toxic cultures are, are bred from these moments of where we allow harmony to um, be more important than honesty and then one day you wake up and you go go to work and you realize that nobody trusts anybody and there's no honesty in any meeting or any conversation. And you're just working with a bunch of people who are 
kind of scared of each other or yeah or or unable to to you know be psychologically safe in their environment and that's toxic that's stressful that's you know without saying a single word without being yelled at at all you're in a toxic environment and so i think it's super important for people to understand that you know that honesty which takes work and takes this the effort is kind of what we work towards so what we talk about in the book it's what we work with people in seneca it's trying to find how do we get to that honesty in a real way and build real human relationships to overcome uh, true toxicity. Yeah, excellent. And Frank, it looked like you wanted to make a comment. No, I was just listening intently. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that as we talk about honesty over harmony, one of the main the main realities is if leaders aren't the ones to set the standard and set the tone, it's going to be very challenging and almost impossible for other people to step in and have that courage. So if leaders are looking to how to how to break the cycle of toxicity, you have to start with yourself and recognize that the main reason why there could be a toxic environment is, is because of you and your behavior and your attitude and exactly what Muhammad had to experience firsthand. And if you're not able to showcase that type of honesty over harmony and not, type, and not able to showcase that level of self-awareness, you can't expect others to do the same. And so the onus does rest on the leader to, to recognize the, the oversized impact and influence that that individual has and the value of taking time to think about the culture, which is just a, which is just a combination of how we behave and care for each other. Is it really impacted as a result of your, your decisions, your actions, your behaviors? And if you look deep enough, the answer is most likely yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it begs the question, then you start to recognize the toxicity. Um, you, you can take ownership for it, right. And start, you know, try to start to rebuild trust amongst the team. You know, how do we really go about doing that? How do we disrupt the toxicity to create a dynamic, psychologically safe workplace where people actually do care for each other? They trust each other and they're willing to tackle the hard problems together. And that starts with, as I framed out at the beginning of the episode, that starts with vulnerability and authenticity. And ultimately, as you framed it, love for each other. And, you know, we're not talking about romantic love. We're talking about genuine caring. We're talking about uh, just really being authentically interested in the, those around you and recognizing them for their, who they are, what they bring to the table, the challenges they're facing, and how you can better be supportive of everyone on your team. When, when you start to break down the toxicity and you start to uh, have that vulnerability uh, and, and show genuine, authentic love, compassion, empathy towards those around you, man, that, that can be the real game changer. So maybe you can describe in just a few minutes how, the, how things started to turn around uh, for you uh, and any kind of parting message that you would share with listeners if they're experiencing similar, similar things in their organizations. I think you did a great job of describing exactly what I would have shared. I could probably just add, I would say, um, you know, love isn't easy. Practicing a culture of love requires a lot of selflessness as a leader and putting the needs of others before yourself and being able to, you know, do things for others out of genuine uh, care and no expectations in return. And that's the kind of love that is needed to be demonstrated with each other so that there is that psychological safety so that people can have tough conversations and you can practice tough love knowing that 
you know, Frank understands where I'm coming from when I give him this feedback. He knows I love and care for him only for his betterment and his career to get better. That's why I give this feedback. And it's not received in any other way. And we're able to take tough challenges and not shrug it under the rug, but actually have honest conversations about it and so forth. So I would say just start with yourself. I think the biggest problem in the workplace, like we described earlier, is we like to find blame. And uh, I also don't want to make it just about the leaders. While leaders set the tone and have an outsized influence in the organization, every individual must bring that same mindset. All the way from the top to the last seat, last row, everyone has to embody those behaviors and don't wait for anyone else to start this journey. You should be the one to start yourself and the change starts with you. So that would be my last advice and takeaway for the audience. Wonderful. And would anyone else like to add to that before we wrap up for today? No, that was very well done, though. Good job. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Wonderful. Thumbs up all the way around. Uh, This has been a fascinating conversation. And my only um, regret is that we don't have more time (laughs) that we can get into this in more depth. But thank you so much, all of you, for being generous with your time, for being vulnerable with the experiences you've had and the part you've played in those experiences, both, you know, on the, on the toxic side, as well as overcoming it and moving into a, a better, more healthy space. Before we close for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Um, I'll do the plug. Uh, I think the, the best way to, if you enjoyed this conversation, you said you wish you had more time. If you want kind of more time with us, um, there's a podcast. We have a podcast, Love is a Business Strategy, that I host, and we are all on, uh, where we continue conversations just like this with other um, interesting guests and other lived experiences that we like to learn from. Um, and we also, as we've mentioned already, wrote a book. The four of us co-authored Love is a Business Strategy, which you can find um, most anywhere, Amazon specifically, as well in audio and in paper and hardback. So those are the two kind of main ways you can reach us uh, or, or hear more from us. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what the team can do for you. Check out the book, check out the podcast, all the great resources. Thank you all so much for joining me. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
bluer than indigo leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? 
What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy courses, micro credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.